This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. are getting very heated over the subway chokehold death of Jordan Neely. And now more arrests have taken place in the last few hours today. Protesters once again were clashing with police during a demonstration in New York City. Everybody around the country has seen this footage of the former Marine who puts the guy in a chokehold. And now remember, The guy was shouting. He was swearing at passengers. He was saying that I want to die. I don't care if I go to jail for the rest of my life. I contend those are threats. I contend those are really, really scary lines. And if you're on a subway and you are blocked in, nowhere to go, and you have a guy who's taking off his clothes and throwing garbage at people and saying, I want to die. I don't care if I go to jail the rest of my life. Guess what? I would be worried. And everybody is still sort of painting him as if he is Mother Teresa. And yeah, there are problems clearly in this guy's past. I feel really bad for him. I do feel the system clearly sold this guy down the river. Clearly, he was on sort of a New York City sort of top 50 people that desperately needed help. I contend if you only have 50 people that are sort of on this desperately needed helpless, why didn't you help him? I mean, there are a lot of things that went wrong with the system in terms of helping people like him. I think we should spend more money for people like him, maybe less money on the migrants. We're spending $5 million a day housing migrants in New York City alone. And because of all of that, You have to wonder, why couldn't we be spending money to help those with mental illness? Why couldn't we be spending money to help American citizens and somebody like this, who clearly was like a big old neon sign for mental illness? I mean, you look at the background. There are so many problems in his background. He had more than 40 prior arrests, including assault. He had an outstanding warrant for assaulting a 67-year-old woman. And so this guy never should have been out on the streets. He was dangerous, not only to himself, but certainly to other people. And because of that, it is clear that this city in New York City that contends to be the ones that help everybody, they're helping the migrants. Boy, they're spending tons of money, taxpayer money. Why are they not spending money to help those with mental illness? And those clearly who have had issues, we know also now that the guy also had drug problems. He had an uncle who came out who said that he was on K2 and a whole bunch of other drugs at times. And it happened after his mother was killed. It's a horrible story when you hear the background. His mother was killed by his stepfather. 
I mean, horrible, brutal stories and and a terrible background. And I feel horrible for him. But it still doesn't give him any right to be on a New York City subway and be threatening people. And everybody's saying, oh, how could this happen? How could this happen? How could we do this? Well, you know what? If you've been on a subway in New York for more than five minutes, you know how scary it is. It is darn right scary. And it doesn't matter what color the person is who's saying we're going to kill you or we're going to kill ourselves. It is downright scary. I told you the story of when I was on a subway a while ago and there was a woman on there. She was a small uh, Caucasian woman. She was shouting, I am going to kill every single one of you. And if that doesn't scare the heck out of you, I couldn't wait to get to the next stop. And I thought, oh, my goodness, everybody, all of us looked on it and it was all women. We all looked at each other like, what the heck are we going to do? If this woman is like nuts and going to pull out something or do something crazy, it is darn right scary. So anybody who sits there and says, oh, you know, he didn't have to do this or he didn't have to stop them. They don't know what it's like on the New York City subway and they are living in la la land. And just a few hours ago, there were more arrests taking place because there were more protests taking place. This one uh, was a bit of chaos outside of the Broadway Lafayette subway station in New York City. Uh, This is where uh, Neely died uh, by the other strap hanger. That is Daniel Perry, Penny rather. He's the former Marine. And they were clashing again with police. And over the weekend, my goodness, they actually stopped the trains from going. They actually were protesting on the train tracks going. And then the day before, they were on the bridge. So it's like they're stopping traffic on the bridge. They're stopping trains Uh, The whole system, tell me that doesn't cause chaos. And then they're shouting and pushing police and screaming as if this justifies, as if you have the appropriate thing to say, I'm going to stop all trains. I'm going to stop traffic. I'm going to shout at police. I'm going to do all of that. I mean, to me, this is abominable. And I want you to hear a little bit. This is some of the protesters chanting just a little bit ago. you call a mild version of the protest because there's some other stuff that would be like bleep 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 and of course uh you knew al sharpton was going to jump into the fray and here he is on his show on msnbc basically saying you know what the marine must pay take a listen victim here uh had had uh, mental health issues but that it was certainly uh not something that should have sentenced him to death and I think that many of us have taken that position in the civil rights community, I know Network has, that you cannot let this go unaccounted for without really opening the door to legitimizing and giving a basis of vigilantism. This young man, unarmed, did nothing to anyone, didn't assault anyone, was disruptive, which happens every day on subways, and you're going to put him in a chokehold 
and hold him there for minutes at a time while two other people hold him down and kill him. This person uh, uh, should face a grand jury and the two people with him. And the attorneys say that the family's going to pursue this. They're planning a funeral. All of the community is riled up about it. And I think the protests are, are just saying this could be anybody. You can't take the law in your own hand. And you certainly can't kill someone when there's no life extenuating circumstance. And on the show with Al Sharpton over the weekend was an attorney for Jordan Neely's family. And this is what they had to say. They are certainly saying that race had something to do with it. I believe race had nothing to do with it. I believe fear had everything to do with it. And I believe that the former Marine, that he said, you know what? I have to protect these people on the subway. This guy is saying, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to go to jail for the rest of my life. That doesn't sound like he's about to tiptoe through the tulips. He's throwing stuff at them. He's throwing garbage. He's throwing his clothes. Uh, He may have been on drugs. We don't know. We haven't heard anything about the toxicology, but he did have a history of some very severe drugs like K2, which creates hallucinogenic tendencies. So there's a lot of stuff here. It's schizophrenia. There's a lot of problems here. I mean, clearly this guy was a troubled man and was scaring the heck out of passengers. And take a listen, though, to what the attorney for Jordan Neely's family had to say with Al Sharpton and how he interprets what happened. And we're figuring that out. It's going to be coming in a second. But first of all, by the way, I want to tell you, Uh, Jordan Neely's attorneys also really ripped into the Marine, Daniel Penny, um, because he put out a statement uh, through his attorneys saying essentially that he never intended to harm the homeless man when he placed him in the chokehold on the subway last week. So the attorneys, uh, Dante Mills and Lennon Edwards, these are for the Jordan Neely family, Both came out swinging after reading that statement, saying that there's an apparent lack of apology. They want to hear some sort of apology. Um, They also said uh, they don't hear regret in that statement. And they said, quote, this shows why he needs to be in prison. They said he never attempted to help Neely at all. You cannot, quote, assist someone with a chokehold. In short, his actions on the train and now his words show why he needs to be in prison. And because of that, that is essentially why he says uh, that there shows no regret in this and that they don't believe anything he's saying. So they don't want to hear anything short, it seems like, of the guy being behind bars. Well, here is Bill O'Reilly, and he was on Cats and Cosby, the show I'm always on every day, which I love, with John Katz and Matides at 5 o'clock on WABC. You can hear it on WABCradio.com as well. And Bill O'Reilly had this to say. He says that these protesters and these people who are sort of involved with all of this, that they are just so riled up. And he also wonders where they're coming from. He believes that these are sort of organizers who show up at a lot of these different events, sort of almost paid anarchists, if you will, maybe people by uh, the likes of George Soros type people who may be funding them, things like that, that they seem to be 
part of a pattern that we see whenever there's something that they want to protest and get attention for. Take a listen. This is what Bill O'Reilly had to say earlier today. The demonstrators themselves are primarily anarchists. They're the same people that you saw in Portland, Oregon, trying to burn down that town during the George Floyd riots. They don't care about this poor guy who's dead or the Marine or the justice system. They don't care about any of that. They want to blow up the American system. So any excuse to go out and do that they will do. If you saw that horrendous videotape of these people blowing pot smoke in the face of police from maybe six inches away, putting a bullhorn in the face of cops, it's just absolutely revolting. These people are dangerous and deranged. The two Ds, these are the protesters. They are not good-hearted people. They are not trying to... Uh, right and injustice. They are trying to blow up the system. So are the protesters, the two D words, uh, dangerous and deranged, as per Bill O'Reilly? Your thoughts about all this. Let's go to Mike in South Carolina on line two. Uh, Mike, what's your reaction to like Al Sharpton and just how heated these protests are now pushing police, swearing at them, stopping trains, stopping traffic. I mean, this is it, it's, I think, just the tip of the iceberg. And the case may now, uh, it looks like, potentially go to a grand jury this week. And if the grand jury comes back and says, you know, we, we understand this guy. It was self-defense. We understand the situation. He didn't intend to do anything other than stop the guy. Um who they wonder what these people are going to do. Your thoughts, Mike? Well, you know what, uh, Rita? Always a good show. My thoughts are Sharpton, Sharpton, Al Sharpton, they have your mantra now. No justice, no peace. Demonstrations, shutting down trains, okay? Because it is hero Marine, a hero. He interceded and went too far. He was mentally disturbed. And you know what? And Sharpton says, well, he was, you know, he wasn't assisted in this and that. Hey, Sharpton, you're a shakedown artist. You're a phony reverend. You couldn't hold the overcoats of the late, great Martin Luther King and what he stood for and all the other phony reverends. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And you know what? This is sickening. You're a thug. Whether you're a person of color, Caucasian, you demonstrate this kind of, you know, anarchy against our country. Instead of trying to heal, you are divisive. You're a devil, Sharpton, and you get tax-exempt status for being a phony reverend. Well, he always seems to come. But but no, by the way, Mike, I felt like what took him so long? Because I just thought for sure he's going to want to chime in on this one. And, And I also say... What's a shame about the people like an Al Sharpton and also an AOC and these others, Mike, is all these other deaths that have happened on the subway. There's been 27 other deaths, I believe it's since 2020, on the subway. Well, where are they? You know, where were they at those moments? Um, where is he when there's crime that happens in Chicago? Where are these other problems? I mean, you know, to me, there are so many times where if he really was sincere – about making a difference in the African-American community, he would be universal. He would stop some of the inner city crime that, especially in Chicago, New York, 
uh, L.A., I mean, many cities across this country, you hear nothing. It's only when it's something that he sees as, quote, high profile that he could use it to his advantage. And that's why I agree with you. Uh, It seems completely disingenuous. Uh, Mike, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. What do you make of these protesters now that are taking it to the extreme, stopping traffic on bridges, stopping trains in a busy subway system like New York, and saying justice for Jordan Neely? Uh, Also, by the way, the attorney came out this weekend and said, you know, his past isn't relevant. It doesn't matter how many priors or whatever he had. I contend it does. It goes to the mindset of the individual. I mean, there's, and 42 priors isn't like a little bump in the road. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you can never go wrong with a little bit of uh, Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. And remember, Jordan Neely... The homeless guy who died uh, after being put on a chokehold on a subway in New York City. Remember, he used to be an impersonator for Michael Jackson. He hadn't done it in years, uh, but a lot of people knew him as the guy who was doing that. And we do know that he certainly showed up in a lot of places of late, and that means arrest records for assault, um, even pushing police. There's a lot of different reports out there. And now his attorneys are coming out and saying his background is not necessarily relevant. I contend it is. I mean, how could you say his background is not relevant? First off, clearly what happened even just on the train, the guy gets on, he is screaming, he's shouting at people, they have nowhere to go. He throws garbage, he throws his jacket off, he's shouting, saying, I'm prepared to die. I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in jail. That alone is enough. But the background in terms of priors and an outstanding warrant for arrest, all of this shows the potential of this individual. And even if you didn't know that, the people on the subway didn't know that. They just saw what they saw in front of them. And that was scary enough. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eric, line eight. Eric, your thoughts real quick. Hey, Rita. Well, Rita, these people, these are trained Marxists. Jim, Jimmy from Brooklyn will say this better than I will. They're trained. They're, they're, it's just like the way they go after the guns. They want us to sit passively together. I mean, just sit there passively while someone gets their head beat in or there's a riot going on. You know, um, it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, it is. It is. I said it was going to happen. It's Jose Alba all over again. And they knew this was going to happen. When you keep letting people out, they're going to get worse. By the way, Eric, I got to ask you a question. There's a caller who calls into the show. I think his name is Russ. And Russ seems to think that Jose Alba shouldn't have defended himself. He seems to think that he was like, you know, he was the aggressor. Did did he look at a different video than we did? <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's crazy. That's it's, They're in like another world. You know, I don't know. It's, it's scary. <laughs> yep, you're right. They're on Mars. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we will continue your calls, everybody, after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, where we honor our great law enforcement and their families, a powerful story coming from Orange County, New York, where Tuxedo Park Police Department uh, back just a little bit ago honored two police officers in Orange County. Uh, commended for their actions that saved a senior citizen after he suffered cardiac arrest. The town of Tuxedo police officer Gerard Shiloh and Detective Stephen Christian were on duty and responded to a call of an elderly man who wasn't breathing. Uh, the men immediately assessed the situation, administered CPR, and delivered shocks through an AED, which stabilized the patient and returned him to self-breathing until the ambulance arrived. Now, Officer Trezino then took over as chief this past October, and he learned of the incident, and he wanted to recognize these officers, even though the incident actually had taken place two years ago. The new chief said there is no expiration date for giving medals for a job above and beyond. We are so thankful to everyone involved who made this emergency medical situation have a happy outcome. And the two officers received commendations actually today at Town Hall in Orange County, New York. How beautiful to hear about this and also the great work. And also, I love his uh, comments that there's no expiration date for recognizing those who go above and beyond. And that is really all of our men and women in blue. Well, boy, uh, the cops were getting harassed and pushed and shoved and spit on and sworn at over the weekend by these protesters who are angry that so far the Marine who put Jordan Neely in a chokehold on a New York City subway, uh, that he is out. And that is because he says it was self-defense. He said he was trying to defend others on the train. He also says he never intended to harm Jordan Neely. Now, we do know, of course, the medical examiner came out and said it was compression on the neck, that it was a homicide, meaning that he died at the hands of somebody else. Um, Where do you see this going? Because it looks like a grand jury will be potentially impaneled this week to look at the case. I would assume, of course, they're going to want to hear from the guy. You would expect that they would hear from a whole bunch of passengers on the train. By the way, there are also reports that there are a number of people that are on the train that are afraid to come forward. That is really a shame. They're worried that there could be repercussions against them because they're seeing all these different angry protests out there, and they're worried that the mob is going to suddenly show up at their home address, get their home address, figure out where they live, 
figure out, uh, you know, uh, where they go to work, maybe follow them around, uh, taunt and harass them. And that is a really, really sad testament that they're afraid to speak up and maybe afraid to even go to the police to say, hey, here is what I saw. That is really a tragedy because you think about they may have seen something or heard something that's helpful to the case one way or another. But so far, it seems that the mob just wants to see this Marine go behind bars, that they don't seem to want to talk about the history of Jordan Neely. They don't seem to want to talk about what happened even that day. And take a listen. Here's a little bit more of the mob. And they were screaming and shouting at cops on the streets of New York. Again, they blocked a part of the Brooklyn Bridge over the weekend. They also blocked trains from going on Saturday. And today they were outside the subway station. Maybe going to block some more trains tonight. Who knows? Uh, but it's getting really bad. Take a listen to some of the sounds. Well, that doesn't sound like a quiet protest, that's for sure. (laughs) That sounds like a pretty wild protest to be out. And you can just imagine what it's like being in the middle of all of that. And also, now we know that the attorneys who are representing Jordan Neely's family have come forward. Uh, They say that they would like to speak to Mayor Eric Adams. They're saying, please give us a call. The family wants you to know that Jordan matters. You seem to think others are more important than him. And that's because Adams has just come out, uh, you know, in the last few days and say, let's not jump to conclusions. Let's not rush to judgment. How is that taking somebody else's side? That's just saying, let's look at the facts. Let's make a measured decision. I actually tremendously applaud Mayor Eric Adams and the way he's been handling this because AOC has been calling it an execution. AOC has been saying it's murder. You've got Ayanna Presley saying it's a lynching. I mean, talk about racial undertones. And New York City Mayor Eric Adams is saying, let's not rush. Let's be smart. Let's look at all the sides and let's be fair. Let's take a look at the evidence. How is that looking at other people other than Jordan Neely? That's saying, let's just be patient. Let's be prudent. Let's not inflame tensions. Take a listen, though. Here is one of the attorneys for Jordan Neely speaking, of course, with Al Sharpton on his show. Take a listen to this. There's no need to extend an investigation, so to speak, to determine that this man committed a killing and should have been arrested on the spot. I don't want to inject race into it immediately, but I'm telling you right now, if Daniel Penny was black and he and he uh, choked out somebody on the platform, or on a train, you have to wonder whether or not he would have been arrested, whether he would have been detained. Uh, Up until this time, there would have been no question, no need for that man to be uh, walking around. I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. The family has, has, has had to deal with this, wrestle with this, day after day after day, and nothing's been done about it. But with all due respect, where was the family helping Jordan Neely before all of this? He was apparently on this list of sort of New York City's top 50 people crying out for help who desperately needed help. 
Where was his family making sure that he was institutionalized, taken off the street so he couldn't harm himself and others because he did have a severe criminal track record and clearly was dealing with a lot of mental issues and drug problems, homelessness. I mean, there were a lot of issues. Why weren't they taking him in? Doesn't he have a cousin or somebody, uh, a relative? Where were they uh, trying to take him in or friends? Somebody to help him. I I feel bad for him. I really do. I think it's horrible what's happened. And there are a lot of people like that who desperately need help. But it also does not give them a right to be walking on the streets or walking onto a subway train saying, I don't care if I die. Basically, I don't care if you die. I, I mean, it is a scary, scary situation. And also, now there is a fundraiser, by the way, that's also been launched in support of the legal defense of the former Marine Daniel Penny. Now, he may face criminal charges, as I brought up. We don't know uh, what's going to happen because we'll see if a grand jury listens to the case. um, And then we'll see if they go forward with any sort of charges, uh, anything. I don't think it would be murder, but maybe they could come back with a manslaughter or something like that. I think he had the intentions based on everything I have seen and heard. Um, Maybe there's something else out there, but everything I've seen and heard, it looked like he was just defending people on the train. And if I was on the train and saw something like that, I would be happy that somebody intervened. I wouldn't want, obviously, anything to happen to the homeless guy. I would hope that he would be taken somewhere so he could, you know, be safe for himself and away from others. Um, But I'd be happy that someone intervened as opposed to someone waiting until it was too late. What if Jordan Neely had done something horrible to someone sitting there? And then they would have said, oh, the Marine just sat there. What kind of a man are you? What kind of a person are you? Well, there is now a legal defense fund that's been set up. The campaign, it's launched on an alternative fundraising site called Gives and Go. It has raised $2,200 as of, uh, I guess, a couple of hours ago, um, saying to cover his legal fees because he's now going to have a slew of not just potentially uh, legal tied to criminal charges, maybe, certainly civil lawsuits that may arise, uh, a whole bunch of other expenses. So it'll be interesting to see how many people contribute to that as well. As I mentioned, already attorneys for Jordan Neely's family are lining up and saying that this was basically a murder and that this guy should be arrested and be behind bars for the rest of his life. How do we resolve this, you guys? And what do we do to take care of these people who clearly are a threat to themselves and others as well? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Nine two two two. Um, let's go to Steve in Brooklyn, line eight. Steve, your thoughts? Yeah, there have always been nihilists and anarchists, uh, Molotov cocktail throwers, uh, agents provocateur during the French Revolution, and this. And you know, we have words like vandalism, which come from the vandals. There has always been the principle that the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and. In this particular case, I understand they're using the poor man who, who died as the cause celebre here. But it's also, they, it's also serving the needs of the George Soroses of the world and the people that are on the far radical left. These people are useful idiots who, who create chaos and mayhem everywhere. And as people, many people have pointed out, they've been seen at all the protests, from George Floyd in, in Washington to the ones in Georgia and other, other states. Do, do people not see the organized nature of this? Are they going to fall victim 
to the same stuff without seeing the general principle of what's going on. So do you believe, Steve, that these are just sort of what paid provocateurs? Is that what you believe? I mean, that not they kind of like... What the answer to- is not all. There are some people that b- believe that. But you see, the parasites always latch on to decent people. Mixed in with every five fine people is a provocative agent, somebody under a false flag who's got another agenda. All good movements get hijacked by evildoers. And, and you know what, Steve? To your point, um, there were a lot of people who were marching, you know, with Black Lives Matter that I think did have good intentions to want to have, um, you know, a fairness for all sides, colors, creeds, um, people who were peaceful, who were out there. And you're right. Um, and then suddenly the sort of other folks sort of hijacked it. And we know that there were a lot of questions about the finances and so many of the different things uh, that came aboard. But I do think you're right. There are people who kind of go out there and who peacefully protest. And that is the beauty of America, um, that people are allowed to peacefully protest. But it's a different thing when you start blocking trains and you start blocking, um, you know, the bridge and you start shouting at police and spitting at them and swearing. And and who knows where the next step is. And you know what? We have seen so many problems with the riots that took place in 2020, um, where there was so much, you know, destruction and death um, that it's scary when when you see this. And then you see the irresponsibility of the politicians that are riling up the crowd and continue to rile up the crowd. And then anybody who comes out measured like even Eric Adams. And look, he's a Democrat. Um, and he has come out and said, let's just not rush to judgment. Everybody kind of calm down. Let's look at the facts and figure out where the facts go. That seems like a logical statement, but they don't want to hear logic. And that's the sad sadness about all of this because uh, they just uh, they only see one thing and, and that's it. And they want to use it for like a racial stereotype and a racial issue. And I don't see race here. I don't think race was a part of it. Um, and I think that, you know, you don't want to be in a position where people are afraid to step forward to help somebody else if that were to happen, if somebody's threatening or doing something. You don't want the next person to wait till it's too late till somebody gets stabbed because um, that could have happened. We don't know, you know. Um, and you also want to make sure that these people get off the street so they get help from themselves. You know, it's not fair to them, and it's certainly not fair to the other people on the subway. Uh, Steve, thank you. Let's go to Stuart, line six. Stuart, your thoughts about this. Yes. So uh, Governor Hochul said, ignoring multiple women that were punched in the head by this man, she said he was killed simply because he was a passenger. And what she's done with that remark, she's thrown gasoline um, into these riots. She's going to make the riots worse with that. And she's basically written the script for the attorneys, for the family to shake down this city for over $100 million. How dare she say he was killed because she's a passenger? I hope you can bring her on your show, Rita, and ask her about that. You know what? I would like to, and I have interviewed her in the past, and I agree with you. I think that was a mistake. Her comment was very much a mistake. You're the leader of the state, and listen to what Eric Adams said. That's why, I, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the difference in their approach on this, and it's kind of surprising. Uh, why do you make that Eric Adams has been very measured and I think correct, and yet she has not. What? Why do you? What is the difference? Do you think, Stuart, of why that's happening, especially now? Oh, I think that the governor is far more controlled 
by far-left elements in the state legislature like AOC and all of them, Carl Hasty, Andrea Stewart, Stewart Cousins. I don't think Mayor Adams has those close connections because, of course, he runs the police department here. So I think he's going to be, uh, you know, more neutral on this. But I think Governor Hochul is definitely controlled by those far-left elements. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that, that that's absolutely part of it. And look, he's been on the subway a number of times. Uh, I think he knows, sadly, what life is like on any big city subway, especially the New York City subway, and how tough it is uh, for the officers. They can't be everywhere. You think about, I, I've said this before, Stuart, I wish there had been a police officer on that train, on that car. Think about how different maybe it would have been. Maybe the guy wouldn't have done anything. He might have, but who knows? When people are on something or or mentally disturbed, uh, maybe he might have done something, who knows, uh, to the cop. Uh, maybe the cop, uh, it might have been now, a, you know, a police versus Jordan Neely. Who knows what would have happened? But um, hopefully maybe it might have prevented it. But it's just, it, it is so heartbreaking. And you can't be in every single car, every single place, every block in New York as much as we would like them there. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And coming up in the next hour, we will continue talking about more of these protests that are happening all over New York City over the chokehold death of Jordan Neely. And again, reports that a grand jury may be meeting this week to determine whether or not to charge the Marine veteran, 24-year-old Daniel Penny. Uh, What are your thoughts about all of this? And also, we will talk in the next hour also about Congressman James Comer, who says this Wednesday he has some bombshells that he will release his report of what he has so far showing some very questionable activities of the Biden family. He says there are ties to Hunter, ties to the big guy, and ties to others. And he says he's got some explosive information that he's going to be putting out. Plus also border agents bracing for what will be an overwhelming amount of migrants crossing as soon as Title 42 is going to be lifted this Thursday. This, as Texas is preparing to send thousands more migrants to New York City, Chicago, other sanctuary cities. Meantime, New York City is saying we don't have any room here. Uh, We're going to send them maybe a little bit north of the city, but north of the city doesn't want them. And things are just getting overwhelming and stressing the system New York City spending $5 million a day, at least on the migrants, $5 million a day. There's about 60,000 of them now. And by the way, I just saw a report, this is stunning, that there are about 80,000 migrants waiting in Honduras to come across the border when Title 42 is lifted this Thursday. And there's another 40 or 50 
in Mexico that are waiting in different points of Mexico. It's like entire cities are like waiting to go, go. And suddenly they're all going to charge to the U.S. border. And so far, Mayorkas is like, the border's not open. And that is the biggest bunch of hogwash. That guy is the worst I have ever seen. And he continues to sell us that hogwash through and through. Uh, So what are we going to do? This is actually a really enormous, bigger security issue than we have already seen, which to me is already exploding at our southern border. It's bad enough. Uh, Some of the new numbers are like 9,000 a day. Uh, Before, in the old days, it was like a couple hundred a day, maybe a thousand a day. Suddenly it creeped up to about three, four hundred, five thousand a day was a huge day. In the recent last few days, they have seen more than 9,000 a day cross the border, and they're expecting it could be anywhere from 10 to 15,000 a day when Title 42 is lifted, again, in just a matter of days. This is a really enormous U.S. national security issue. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And we are also talking about the Jordan Neely case because protests are taking place all over New York City. There was another one tonight that erupted outside of the Broadway Lafayette subway system, subway station in New York. Uh, a number of them were arrested, and they look. a lot of them look like paid agitators, but they're also blocking subways, blocking trains, blocking uh, the bridges with cars. This is a mess. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Russ. Line 8. Russ, your thoughts. Hey, did those page, paid agitators, did they have W-2s attached to their chest? Is that how you knew? Rita, we got to stop meeting like this. You know, my wife and your husband are going to get suspicious, okay? <laughs> Russ, Russ, did you see a W-2 on any of them? Because if you do, please let me know, all right? No, but I didn't see any on the FBI agents who were leading the charge on January 6th into the Capitol. And I'm sure that a lot is going hey, Russ, on. In- hey, Russ, yeah. could you stay focused on this? Go I ahead. Am, I'm sorry. Don't mean to jump around. <laughs> let me ask you something. Did you hear about uh, the quote from the, one of the guys holding down... Uh, uh, Jordan Neely said to the Marine, hey, ease up on the chokehold. Quote, you don't want to catch a murder charge. Did you hear that? I have not heard that, and I will look well, into that because I, I appreciate that. And that's why I've said, Russ, by the way, if you've – and I'm glad you're listening because I've always said if there is more information out there, then it's worth hearing. It still doesn't mean – it still maybe means oh, – wait, hold on a second, back off. And there are also reports, by the way, Russ, that he was trying to kind of put him in a relief position afterwards, helping him. His attorneys, Jordan Neely's attorneys, say that ain't the case. But others are saying it looks like the Marine maybe was helping. Stay with us. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This hour on the Rita Cosby Show, later on, we are going to be talking about our wide-open southern border, which is downright scary. And again, there are new reports tonight that there are some 80 
80,000 migrants. Think about that. 80,000 migrants waiting in Honduras to come across our border. And that doesn't even include the tens of thousands that are waiting in Mexico to cross as soon as Title 42 is lifted. They've gotten the green light from this administration. It is a bright old green neon light uh, to come on in. And nothing we have heard from the administration in the last few days has changed that whatsoever. We're going to talk about that later on. Also, James Comer, he is head, of course, of the Oversight Committee, and he has come out and said that he has some bombshell information that is going to be coming out this Wednesday, that he is going to be issuing an interim report that he says will be an eye-opener. Now, there are reports that Hunter Biden may be indicted as early as this week. A number of reports say that, of course, DOJ, we know that they talked to Hunter Biden's attorneys last week. And a lot of people said that that could be a sign, as well as information that they're getting through their sources, that there could be some charges coming. People don't know, is it going to be a tax charge? Could it be even potentially maybe something tied to the gun charges? Could it be even something much more significant tied to the Biden family finances? Well, James Comer is now pleading with the Justice Department saying, don't jump in front of us. Let us do our coverage and basically come out on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. He said, we're doing a press conference Wednesday, 9 a.m. And wait to do any charges against Hunter Biden, basically, till you hear what we have, that he says it is that compelling and that powerful. Now, remember, he's been able to subpoena a whole bunch of bank records and a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, he says, wait, because there's something much more serious. Don't give him sort of a slap on the wrist with minor charges when something much bigger could be coming down the pike and it might be right around the corner. And in the middle of all this, President Biden did an interview in the last few days. And this is what he said to MSNBC. He basically said, listen, uh, I am running again, despite the fact that his poll numbers dropped again. By the way, he was his lowest which was one of the lowest in American history, is 37%. There's now an ABC News poll that has them at 36%. It's like, is it going to be like negative 36% uh, in the next few months? My God, he is dropping and dropping and dropping. And that's even among Democrats. So that is a stunning number. And Joe Biden continues to say his son did nothing wrong. He stands by his son. And the Wall Street Journal had an interesting story today, guys, because they basically were saying that they view that as almost interference when you've got a president of the United States coming out and essentially talking about his son in an interview as the DOJ is considering charging the son or not. They feel that's undue influence. Listen to what he said on Friday night and basically stands by good old Hunter. Take a listen. I know you believe in the American dream and you talk about fighting for the soul of America. But can we level set in terms of the soul of America right now? The answer is yes, because that's why we can't let we cannot let this election be one where the same man who was president four years ago becomes president again. Look, what's the difference between the two of you? Everything. 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 Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. 
and it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. I'm proud of Hunter. I mean, is there anybody out there that's seen some of the videos that were on the laptop that would be proud of Hunter? I don't think proud would be the word I would use. I would say, yeah, uh, that's my son. <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, I don't think proud would be good. In fact, let's hearken back since we're talking about that. Why don't we play Parmesan cheese? Would you be proud of this? You know, I spent more time on my hands and knees picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that even remotely resembled crack cocaine. I probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone, (laughs) anyone that you know. Yeah, that's something to be proud of. He smoked more Parmesan cheese. He's probably right than anybody I do know. That's correct. I'm proud of him for that. Uh, I mean, proud is not the word I would say. But is Biden also not only insane to say that, but is he also telegraphing to the DOJ like, I'm standing by my son. Don't you press charges. We're closing in the ranks. We're going to get Parmesan cheese. I mean, this is a wild one because, boy, this could be a monumental week in American history. If Comer's got some bombshell, if the president's son gets charged, uh, I mean, this is what a confluence of events that could be happening. And in the middle of this, of course, as we're also talking about, the protests are continuing over the chokehold death of Jordan Neely, the homeless man. And here's a little bit more of the protests because they are getting unruly. They're blocking trains, uh, bridges. And also harassing police officers. Here's a little bit of some of the sounds from protests in the last uh, day or so. Do something. Do something. That's the time it is. That's the time it is. I'm going to pack your dumb ass up. I will make them back you up. Watch it. Watch it. That's right. That's right. It's that time. It's that time. Let the white man get away. Let the white man walk out the door. And they're going to choke that one of yours. Huh? Oh, he ain't one of yours, right? He ain't one of yours, but that white man wasn't even. He wasn't blue. No, he just he followed orders, dog. That's he wasn't he blue. He wasn't blue. If you're going to do something for black police, man. get the killer. If you're going to do something for black people, get the killer, nigga. Get the killer. Yo. Yo, let him walk in the gun. Hey, Yo. you ain't mad. Hey, Yo. you feel like an idiot because the blood is still on your hands. Y'all let him walk out the door. Y'all let him walk out the door. Yeah. And that is some of the sound, obviously, uh, getting out of hand there from the protesters who are shouting at police officers. Boy, is it tough to be a cop in New York City these days with some of the vitriol coming from protesters in the middle of all this. It's just downright ugly and horrible. And the situation is a mess there for homeless people. Uh, We're going to talk later on in the hour about these migrants that right now New York City taxpayers are spending $5 million a day. Uh, They basically put out a mandate saying they got to open up some more city facilities and also word that they're also planning to ship some of them now because there's, quote, no room at the inn to other locations Uh, because they have spent so much money and so much of our housing is going to these migrants, homeless shelters, other places that a lot of people with mental illness don't have any place to go. Uh, and earlier today, I talked to Errol Lewis. He was on Cats and Cosby with me and John Katsimatidis. And Errol was telling us he's, of course, a host. You see him on New York One in New York. He's also a commentator on CNN. And he talked about 
um, how so many of these people are just kind of walking around big cities across America, like New York, um, and just sort of, you know, just drifting through the world. It's actually very, very sad. Take a listen to how he describes sort of the situation, the overwhelming situation of homeless and mentally disturbed people in major cities across America. The thing I wrote, which is really what had bothered me really quite from the minute this happened, was that we treat certain people in our city as if they're already dead or departed. We step over them. We ignore them. We condemn them to the corners. We give them the bare minimum of assistance. Uh, We don't hold our leadership responsible so that what we call a safety net or a healthcare system has is tattered and has so many holes and disconnects that it's almost inevitable that people are going to uh, remain in harm's way. And when we do that, and we do it year after year after year, somebody like Jordan Neely, whose life was tragic, absolutely tragic, his brother murdered and so forth, and never got the help that he needed, um, he slips through all of our fingers and and it ends up in, in tragedy. And that's what, what struck me most about all of this. And again, remember, for the migrants, we are spending $5 million a day in New York City alone. Other cities across the country, Chicago, other sanctuary cities doing the same. And listen to what Errol Lewis talked about in terms of the lack of beds for those with mental illness. That Many of them just have nowhere to go. Just in the recent years, this is um, you know typical of what we've done for a generation now, but we cut 800 institutional beds and turned them over for pure COVID uh, at the height of the pandemic emergency or at the start of the pandemic emergency. Okay, maybe that was necessary, but we're years past that now, and we have not brought the beds back online. And when you do that, there's, there's, you can almost foresee exactly what's going to happen. I talked the other day with the chair of the uh, Mental Health Committee of the City Council. She said a certain kind of uh, therapy that's available or, or therapeutic bed that's available crisis um, uh, beds. Uh, there's, a, there's only 50 of them. How sad is that? Only 50 of them. And these others have not come back. And I contend after COVID, there's a lot more homeless people during COVID there was, but also after COVID too. Why is the city not supplying the resources for individuals? And that's the case across this country. There's so many questions. And yet again, we're spending $5 million a day on migrants. Does that sound a little screwy to you? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line six. BJ, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Thanks for having me on. You know, I don't remember Errol Lewis or any of them going after de Blasio or his wife, Shirley McRae, when $1.5 billion to thrive New York City went out the window and, and they just shrugged their shoulders and couldn't answer for it. You know, this is, you know, this type of mismanagement has consequences. And I can't help but think that the Jordan Neelys of the world would have gotten, would have benefited by that because there's a lot more of them out there. We've had a lot of, of, uh, incidents on the subway where people were, were were killed and maimed and people were followed home and uh, 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 a hospital worker over in a story was beaten to death on the street. Uh, you know, and uh, this was all, you know, mental illness was all part of this equation. But where is the money that uh, why and why is no effort being made to to claw this money back? It went somewhere. Uh, this is ridiculous. No, this, you bring it, a Thrive. It was called Thrive NYC. You're right. There was there was a lot yeah. of money out there, BJ, and um, and certainly a lot of it could be used. You, you know, the other thing too. I I don't know if you heard BJ, but I was saying earlier 
that this guy, there was a report that they had sort of a top 50 of people who desperately needed help. And he was apparently on New York City's top 50 list. Are you kidding me? You have a top 50 list. I assume you know where they live. You obviously have their name. The guy's got a repeat rap sheet. Um, Why are these top 50 not locked up? Uh, or, or put somewhere uh, that where they're at least taken care of, even a mental facility or a homeless, uh, somewhere where they're at least being observed and supervised and taken care of. Um, I mean, to me, there's there is a huge problem that you can't even get the top fifty uh, locked up or or put somewhere where they're getting help, um, you know, and hopefully get better. Uh, I mean, this this to me is a real tragedy. And like you just said, you think about all the money that was spent there. No one knows where a lot of the money went. Um, and boy, the problem has gotten so much worse. It it really is sad. BJ, thank you. Let's go to Russ again real quick on line eight. Russ, go ahead. Hey, real quick. I mean, is it true Mary Adams is considering Curtis Lee would it be commissioner of mental health uh, under the theory it takes one to know one? <laughs> <laughs> but I want to ask you real quick. Hey, Rita. You know, we've seen no. By the way, media. by the way, Curtis certainly knows the subways. I mean, I he know. definitely he has been there, uh, and he knows exactly. He's seen these characters, and he and the Guardian Angels have seen these characters for a long time, and right. knows how dangerous they are too. Yeah, he could do a lot more with a billion dollars than uh, you know the Blasio's wife. But I want to ask you: you keep repeating this. Do you think the Marine would tell the police? Yeah, I was trying to kill him. Obviously, he wouldn't. But you know what else, Rita? There's no social media for this 24-year-old Marine, and it seems very suspicious. Of course, he had four days to scrub it. And, you know, people keep saying, oh, Jordan Neely wanted to push me off the platform. He was a child kidnapper. He broke a 67-year-old woman's nose. Uh, I think he stole Frank Morano's parking space two months ago. Where did you ever hear this top 50 list of homeless people before? I've never heard of that before. Well, that's that's exactly. I'm just telling that there is a report out there that apparently they have a list of sort of like the, the ones that they're keeping an eye on, supposedly, or that, I mean, they certainly weren't doing a good job of it. Um, and, and getting back to the guy did have some social media because at first that's where they were getting reports of his background, that apparently he had been in the Marines for a number of years. On his social media, it said that he was basically uh, no longer in the military. Um, they also said, by the way, Russ, that, you know, basically he's been getting threats as our passengers on the train. And your point where you said, do you think he would come out and say, oh, I was planning to kill him? Obviously, I don't think he would say that, clearly. Um, but that's why it's so important to hear from passengers on the train. And there are reports that passengers on the train are afraid to come forward because they're seeing all these other protesters out there shouting and screaming at police. You just heard some of the horrible vitriol. They're scared to come forward, afraid that these people are going to now target them. I mean, that's a, what a sad place we're at, that somebody who maybe heard something that's relevant, whichever way it goes, Russ. And that's why I think it's so important to get all these passengers and have them sworn under oath. You tell the truth, nothing but the truth. What did you see? What did you hear? Wherever it goes, uh, you know, tell us what you saw and what you heard. But if they're scared with the fear of death that they're going to be targeted, what a sad place we're in, Russ. So, I mean, that's why it's hard to get to the truth. You just have to, we have to look at the video. We also have to clearly hear from other passengers and get hopefully an unbiased opinion of what happened. Um, but I, you know, we'll see where it goes, Russ. I, I think it's, I think people who say, you know, let's throw the book at this guy and lock the, lock him up. Uh, don't know what it's like living on a, you know, spending time on a New York city subway. You pray when you get off it every time. Um, Russ, thanks so much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody after the break. The Rita Cosby show on the red apple podcast network.
And coming up, we are going to talk about what is surely a crisis at our southern border. I think the president is downright derelict. It's outrageous. We know that there are thousands, tens of thousands of people waiting for Title 42 with this this health provision. It's going to be lifted on Thursday. And border agents are really concerned that they will be overrun more than we already have been. So we're going to talk about that after the break. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry real quick. Line five. Larry, your thoughts. Okay, Rita, I'm going to drop a bombshell on you. Have you have you uh, have you seen the video of the uh, Marine uh, of what happened in the subway? Yes. Okay. did you did you notice Jordan Neely? Tapping the guy who had his hand, who was holding his hand down, tapping out like a UFC fighter that needs to be released, indicating probably that he can't breathe. And that was ignored. Okay? That's number one. Number two, if you looked at the Marine when he had his hand around his neck, his legs were moving. The Marine was doing a scissor kick. And the reason for that is because if the lactic acid builds up in your arms, you slack it off. He wanted to generate more power into his arms through his legs. That doesn't look very good. And number three, if he was a real Marine, Jordan Neely was a very weak person if you looked at his physique. Okay, homeless people don't sleep. They don't eat. He could have just put him in a bear hug and held I could have done it. And I'm why, out of why did it, You know what maybe you should have done, Larry? Maybe you should have brought him flowers and chocolate. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I'm being facetious, Larry, but but two things. First off, you could see in the video there are two other people holding him down because it looked like the Marine alone wasn't able to do it, Larry. I've seen the video. The other thing, too, is if you see it, there are reports that this guy, for sure, this is coming from family members, say he was using drugs, very strong drugs. At least we don't know if he was on drugs that time. We'll see if there's a toxicology report. But people, no matter the size, he seems like he is still flailing when the Marine is holding him down, that it took two other people. You can see that, too. There are other people. One's holding his arms, one's holding his shoulders, because the Marine alone wasn't doing it. So, I I mean, we're seeing two different, clearly different versions, because most people are seeing the other two people in their lair. Uh, But it's going to be up to the grand jury to see it. We're going to continue your calls. Thank you, guys. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful story coming from Denver, Colorado, where a man named Charles Grant II, known by friends and family as Charlie, is a 97-year-old World War II Navy veteran. Grant was recognized by We Honor Veterans Organizations. He enlisted at the age of 17. He joined the Navy because all of his classmates were also joining the service for the war effort. He said, I joined the Navy because I didn't want to be in a foxhole, he said jokingly. Now, accompanied by his family, Grant was awarded a certificate recognizing his naval service. Additionally, Grant was also presented a challenge coin from the chief petty officers of the Rocky Mountain Division. And the head of the organization said, we honor your legacy. All the sailors you trained, the knowledge continues to be passed down today. Thank you for your service. And also, everybody, of course, uh, today is VE Day, which is Victory in Europe Day. 
And I remember my own father, as many of you guys know, my father was a prisoner of war who was rescued by Americans. And I remember him telling me the story that he was with Americans in a camp. Uh, This is after he was saved and he was getting the word that the victory in Europe had come, that it was the end of the war, of course, in Europe. And everybody jumped up and down and were high-fiving in the camp and cheering and tears were rolling down his face as he knew that there was victory in Europe and the beginning of the end of the war around the world. What a powerful story. And, of course, I think so much about my father and all the great folks tied to World War II, all the veterans today. My father, as you know, was a Polish resistance fighter rescued by troops in World War II. Well, we are talking, of course, about the case of Jordan Neely on the subway. And Larry, who just called, said that Jordan Neely was given like a UFC fight sign. Um, Others who have seen it see the guy, uh, Daniel Penny, who is a Marine holding him down and still having trouble, even though the Jordan Neely isn't a big guy. But he seems to have a violent history and seemed to still be flailing so much so that two other people had to help hold him down. And so far, I haven't heard anybody say, other than Russ, who made some comment, uh, that essentially uh, that Jordan Neely um, was doing anything other than disturbing passengers and shouting and screaming and that people were scared. And this Marine was trying to intervene. Yet there are protesters all over the place saying, lock this guy up. He should be charged with murder. And this week we may find out if any charges will come against him. Where do you think this is going? And what do you make of now all these protesters that are now blocking subway tracks, also blocking bridges? And it seems it's going to get a whole lot worse. one 800 848 Let's go to Steve. Line one. Steve, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, uh, good morning. Uh, good evening, Rita. How you doing? I'm good. What are your thoughts, Steve? Good. So just a uh, quick quick question. I just want to comment on Larry. I don't I don't think that guy's ever really been in any kind of physical altercation in his life. Probably never wore a uniform. That's just my assessment. Um, you know, so he doesn't really know what it's like to, to have to restrain somebody. Now, have you um, worn a uniform? Have you had to restrain somebody? Yeah, I, I, I served. I, I, I retired from the Marine Corps. Ah, okay. Uh, number one. Um, so I just want to get into to the background thing. You know, they're saying that the um, the background it shouldn't matter. That's what the the guy's lawyer is saying, right? Um, so why is it such a big deal? He's a U.S. Marine. You know, they're making such a big deal that he's a Marine. So you know, and and to the public, what do they think? The Marines just trained to just kill everybody? You know, on the subway. You know, that, that's not that's not what happened here. You know, you know, Steve, you bring up a powerful point. You're right. Why is it relevant that he's a Marine uh, and that they seem to want to highlight that like he's a, a killing machine, a trained killing machine. And they seem to say, well, oh, don't talk about Jordan Neely's background. Well, because Jordan Neely's background ain't pretty. I mean, you know, I'm hearing them say, oh, he was loved. He was such a sweet, kind man. I'm thinking, you know, I'm sure he probably was. He probably was a sweet, kind guy. Uh, but there were times that he was clearly a violent guy who was assaulting people on New York City streets as rap sheets like a mile long. So, I mean, right. he, you know, so yeah, you're absolutely right. How is it fair to say the guy's a Marine? And also, to me, when I heard him was a Marine, 
to me, it gave me comfort that there was a Marine. If I, I would love to be on a subway car with a Marine every time, somebody from any of the branches, because I know that they are responsible, decent human beings who care about others. And if need be, they would protect you. So to me, when mm-hmm. I heard it, it gave me comfort. And, and, and so thank you for your service, Steve. You're absolutely right. And you know what it is? They just This is just another uniform to point a finger at and blame. But they're not taking, you know, the blame where it needs to be. You know, they want to hate a uniform. First it's the NYPD. Now it's now it's the Marines. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, you know, I've seen some posters out there saying about racism um, and, and all that. And, you know, what? in the Marine Corps, I could tell you firsthand, it's we're not taught racism like that. You know, you're green or you're dark green. That's it. Absolutely. Everybody's the same. I served with, with, with many different races and everybody loves each other equally. No, you're right. You know, it's all about team. It's all about team. It's all about the mission and it's all about team. Steve, thank you. And thank you again for your service. I'm so glad you called in. You got to call back in again. You're terrific. Thank you so much. Uh let's go to Kevin. Line three. Kev, your thoughts. Uh yeah, I think this this is murder. I mean how long was he in the chokehold? Wasn't it about 15 minutes? Well, they said 15, uh, and then it was adjusted to six minutes. So, um, so adjusted it down to six. Okay, because I feel like if he had him in a chokehold for, let's say, 90 seconds to 120 seconds, that's to subdue somebody. Uh, but when you're getting up there, there's 15 minutes. Right, that's and and that apparently, time. apparently they came out, and then later they said it was six minutes that it was. So okay, six so, minutes. Still, still a significant amount of time, but it, uh, apparently the other two people came there and were holding him down. So, I, why do you think it's murder? I, I don't think I also, it's murder. Go ahead. Why do you think he, so? Was he attacking? Was he actually physically attacking anybody on the train? Was he like pushing people? Was he grabbing them? Was, did it look like anybody's life was actually physically in danger? Well, there are reports. That, uh, everybody has said he was screaming, shouting, throwing things, throwing things down, throwing uh, garbage at people, yeah, saying, "I'm ready all to the die." Time on the subway, that's like every week. Yeah, but but <laughs> but but there's a lot of problems every week there too, you know. And and saying, "I'm ready to die. I don't care if I go to jail for the rest of my life." I mean, that's scary, Kevin. That's not like. Uh, hey, let me do a little acrobatic trick for you. You right. know what I mean? Let I me mean, sing, about, let I mean, me sing like uh, mental... old blue eyes to you, you know? No, but it sounds like a mental illness. I mean, think about it. We've all had situations with relatives where they're saying things in hyperbole that if you got them, <laughs> you recorded what they were saying, and, I'm going to kill you. You're yeah. right. On the other hand, those people also can snap, too. Ment- the people who say that are also ones who often the next thing they know is pull out something or do something to somebody. You know, I mean, well, just it can happen. But we, if you if you just go by hyperbole, and if you attacked everyone on the street or seeing somebody like that, there'd be a lot of dead bodies piling up out of there. the The other problem I have is the subway doors did open. If everybody's life was truly in danger, why didn't they just all run out of the subway? Why Why didn't everyone just run out of that car, that particular car? That no, didn't you're right. Either. You're right, and that's the thing. I actually think, to be honest with you, I think the timing of the doors and not the doors. A lot of those, I think, will be issues in the case. Uh, the doors were not open, apparently, when it when it first started and they were subduing him. I right. think they were also hoping that police would come on and get him. The other thing, too, Kevin, everybody has said so far, everybody who's been on the train, from what I've seen, and, you know, I'm open to see whatever's out there. We need to see where the facts go. 
But from what I've seen, everybody who's basically come on said that they didn't think that the Marine was trying to kill him. They thought he was trying to subdue him with the others helping because there was a guy holding his arms. There was another one holding um, his shoulders. And the other thing, too, is that they were essentially saying um, that everybody thought he had passed out, that the guy had passed out. Um, they didn't think that he was dead. They just thought he had, like, passed out from from flailing and fighting it for a while and then passed out. So I think intent goes to a lot of it. And I think um, one of the other callers also said, Kev, it'd be interesting to hear what did other people overhear, um, what other issues could um, were happening at the time. Um, did did the Marines say, oh, you know, let, let's try to move him over here and help him or let's, you know, like, you know, usually this is what happened. They pass out or something. You know, I mean, that's what that's what it'd be interesting to hear more of the conversation and also the intent of what was going on in his mind and hear from some of the passengers. Sadly, some of the passengers are afraid to come forward. And that's really scary. Um, I think it'd be important. I think it's also, though, how long was he choking him after he stopped moving? That's going to be. An important part of this. Yes, yeah, but and he I was also, fighting him, yeah. though, at first. You can see him fighting him at first, in you know? In yes. the beginning, he was, yeah, yeah, clearly, and you see the other two guys coming. And so that that's why I think there's going to be a lot, and I think medical experts, you know, if it gets to a point of, of any charges or something, there'll be a, it'll be a battle of medical experts. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because you would assume that almost anybody who's on a grand jury, they're sending it to a grand jury, which I think is smart rather than the DA like deciding on his own. Uh, but they are sending it to a grand jury. It'll be interesting if, you know, if those grand jurors have all been on the subway, you know, because and if they're women or men, I think everybody has different life experiences. I'm telling you, if I'm sitting there on a subway and a guy starts saying those things and throwing garbage at me and saying I'm ready to die, I'd be scared. I'm being honest. I would be scared. I, I wouldn't. I, I would feel like the next thing, maybe he's going to snap. And guy or girl, I know some big guys out there that are like, you know, wrestlers. And they're like, I'd be scared of that guy, too, because you don't know if he's high as a kite. You don't know. He's going to fight back at the big. I mean, he's going to fight back for his life as he's being choked. He, he Anyone's going to do that. That's a, that's a right. But he also thing. might be fighting back because he's high as a kite. And we don't know that either. That's and And in fairness, we don't know if the if he has any medication on him or not medication. We don't know. But if you're on some sort of like there were reports from one of the uncles that he's on K2, that he's been using K2 in the past, which is like a hallucinogenic. And so maybe he was having a hallucinogenic episode. But, you know, you know, you might feel like you're Superman at that moment if you're on some sort of drug. We don't know. That's why I actually think the toxicology is really, really important. Um, I think it's deeply important to this case. Kev, thank you very much. Interesting conversation. We appreciate it. And everybody, you know, we're talking also about all the money uh, that is going into the migrants um, in New York City, for example. I mean, there is literally no room at the end. There are now reports, by the way, tonight. There are reports that New York City is actually moving many of the migrants out of Manhattan and they're moving them outside of the city because they just can't handle it anymore. That there's basically, quote, no room at the end. There's no room for them. Uh, the homeless shelters are filled. Uh, the hotels are filled. All of this at taxpayer money. Five million dollars a day. We were just talking about all of these individuals in New York City that have mental illness. Uh, like the guy with the subway chokehold death, Jordan Neely. Uh, think about all the folks that have serious mental problems and they need help. And there should be money for them. There should be money for veterans. There's a lot of veterans when you walk down the streets of New York that are homeless. 
and there's no place, it seems, for them to go. Why are we not prioritizing and putting these individuals, getting them the help that they need, getting them off the streets so they're not a danger to themselves and they're not a danger to others? And yet we are spending such an enormous amount of money for the migrants, and it seems like people that have mental illness, uh, veterans that are also homeless, other individuals that are homeless, that are American citizens, they seem to get just shoved to the back of the line and sort of forgotten. Why is that happening? That needs to change. We need to also start prioritizing and helping Americans. It seems like they're saying, well, we don't really have any money for this. We don't have, there's a shortage of beds. Well, there wasn't a shortage of beds to bring in fifty to 60,000 migrants to New York City. Somehow you found room for them. Why are we not putting some of these other individuals up in a location where they can be supervised? So they are taken care of. They're getting the medication. They're getting doctor's visits. They're getting psychiatric visits. They're also watched so they can maybe make sure that nothing happens to themselves, that they don't harm themselves. And also, particularly, that they're not just put back out on the streets so they're not recidivists like Jordan Neely was. If you look at his track record over and over again, we need to do better for these people that seem to be slipping through the cracks in so many major cities across America. So there's so many serious issues tonight, but we need to start also prioritizing and helping American citizens that have mental illness, that have had bad on their luck, could be a veteran with post-traumatic stress. There are so many of these. And why are we not prioritizing these individuals, not only to help them, but to help society? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, Alejandro Mayorkas, we all know the border is about to get so much worse. Title 42 is about to be lifted. And listen to what Alejandro Mayorkas had to say. This is the head of Homeland Security on one of the Sunday shows acting like, oh, we got it all under control. We've been preparing uh, for this for more than a year and a half. You are correct. And it is indeed a regional challenge and it requires a regional response, which is why we are working so closely with many countries to the south. It's going to take our plan a while to really take hold for people to understand that they can access lawful, safe, orderly pathways before they reach the border. And quite frankly, if they come to the border, they will receive a consequence under our enforcement authorities. What a joke. And here is the former border chief responding to Mayorkas. It doesn't sound like one, right? I was at the border earlier this last week and they're already seeing the surge, you know, the the, the, the sunset of, of Title 42. So 7,000 people come into the border every 24 hours. Uh, it's over 8,000 now. Yeah, and, and 11th, the people who are reluctant to come across because they could get expelled back, expelled into Mexico, are waiting until Thursday. And so we're going from bad, bad to worse uh, starting on the 11th. And there are reports that there are 80,000 migrants amassing in Honduras, also 80,000 in Guatemala. There are tens of thousands in Mexico. Uh, this is going to be crazy. And here's a little bit more from the former border chief saying this is a decision by the Biden administration. 
This is very frustrating to see because this is a this is a symptom of the choices that they made early on in this administration. They ripped down policies that allowed people to wait in Mexico for their due process in immigration court. And when he took that pro down, this is the result of it. The whole world knows now is the time to come into the United States. They know this is the time. And boy, it's going to get really scary when Title 42 is lifted this Thursday. We're going to talk about that when we come back. What are your thoughts of what the Biden administration has planned, which sounds like no plan? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. of thousands of migrants are waiting on the other side of the southern border and it looks like it may be a free-for-all when may 11th comes that's this thursday and the health provision known as title 42 is about to be lifted you know it's so bad uh, that even the biden administration sent down 1500 troops even though they're basically for clerical they're not for border protection they're for clerical basically to process the people quicker. I mean, this is amazing. They are still not thinking of border security and how downright dangerous the situation is. Also, in the last few days, over a three-day weekend, they had 26,000 apprehensions. That's about 9,000 or so a day and 18,000 known gotaways. Uh, That's just last week alone. Uh, and three uh, over the three-day period, 26,000 apprehensions. And in one week's time, 18,000 gotaways. It only takes one gotaway to really create havoc in the United States and do something. These are the ones who we have no record of whatsoever. Uh, I am really concerned of what's going to happen on our border. It's already a mess. And the thought of it getting much worse is beyond catastrophic. one 800 848 uh, let's go to Jay on line seven real quick. Jay, your thoughts about this. Rita, the United States is getting invaded and the Biden administration is doing nothing about it. Yeah, you're right. They, it is amazing. Like you just said, uh, they seem to just say whatever. No big deal. They don't seem to care. Um, and it, 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 it's downright derelict. I have all the things that we have heard um, within the Biden administration. To me, protecting the homeland is number one. It is Americans' president, the key for him to do. He or she, their job is to make sure we are safe. And the fact that our president doesn't seem to care, doesn't really visit the border, and it was the dog and pony show, it, it is really, really scary. Jay, thank you very much. And boy, is it disconcerting. Uh, let's go to Christopher in Vermont. Your thoughts real quick, Chris. Yes, I, I sweetheart. Um yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you, but today is my birthday. I was born on VE Day. Oh, happy birthday. Beautiful. I was born in 1950, VE Day in Santa Monica, California. I've been to Normandy at least a dozen times, and I celebrated my 45th uh, birthday in uh, Cherbourg on the 50th anniversary of VE Day. Wow. Well, I was in San Maria Glise, um, and I was in Normandy on the 75th. And um, how beautiful, Chris, what a beautiful day to have as your birthday. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Uh, What a wonderful, wonderful birthday. And how beautiful that you've been over to Normandy uh, to honor all those great heroes. I tell every American needs to go over there, Chris. It's so important. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy birthday, Chris. And let's go to Dom real quick on line three. Dom, your thoughts. Yeah, Rita, I was getting ready for bed. I guess then you spark struck with your news. I just cannot do that without listening to you. <laughs> no, thank you. Thanks, Dom. What do you think? You know, Are you worried about the border stuff real quick? Well, we don't have white supremacy. We have elite supremacy. You know, I have sympathy for anyone that wants to improve their lives come to the USA. However, every other country in the world takes their obligation to their citizens very seriously. Except our current administration, which, which treats its own citizens as second-class citizens. You know, people like AOC, Ayanna Presley, Joe Biden, will not appreciate the pain until the average of the average American, unless the pain is personal for them. Yep, you're right, Dom. And how sad is that? And this is the greatest country. Chris knows it. We all know it. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.